Hello and welcome to 1882. This is your Tottenham podcast. Hopefully we can uh, lift the mood up a little bit after a little bit of a dismal midweek. I'm Ash, I'm your host and with me as always is my big bro Chris. How you doing bro? How we doing man, all good? Yeah, good man, good. Uh, and we're also joined by uh, someone, quite a lot of people on Spurs Twitter I think would have heard from over the Twitter spaces. Uh, Glassy, how you doing mate? Uh, evening chaps, thanks for having me on. No problem. Uh, we like to just give a quick run over when we get guests on about our Spurs fandom, I guess, if you'd like. So uh, how long have you been a Spurs fan from and sort of where, where does that come from? So my story is I've been a Spurs fan since 1990, 1991. Obviously the famous FA Cup win. I started sporting Spurs because of Gaza. Uh, my dad was a Liverpool fan, come from a Scottish family. Uh, obviously the CNS links and stuff, but um, uh, basically... We were living down south. Uh, I saw Gascoigne on TV. I saw him score in the semi-final um, against, well, obviously that that famous long-range shot. And <laughs> that was it for me. I said, Dad, I want to sport Tottenham now. And he was like, right, fair enough. Well, at least we can go to some games then. So, yeah. <laughs> he must, um, he uh, must have thought you were mad, though. If you're going to fall in love with, wow, what a player in Gaza, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, I... to fall in love with. Yeah, I mean, when he left, I cried, like genuinely cried. So I was 11 at the time. And um, I got, I was very, very lucky because my dad sort of grew a little bit of a soft spot for Tottenham uh, off the back of Gaza and that. We were a cup side then, so we were decent. And um, he actually took me out to, to see Lazio versus Milan um, mm. when I was, I think I must have been 12, uh, the, the season, that, uh, well, I think it was the season after uh, he got there. So yeah, get Gaza, mate, that's why. And uh, for just over 20 years now. As good a reason as any. Um, speaking of the FA Cup in uh, less positive terms, I guess, though, I suppose we've got to get Sheffield United out of the way, haven't we? Um, where do we even just, start? Just before we get into the game. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't know, I don't want to start on it. Well, the whole game's depressing, but I just want to... <laughs> I, I went to that game. And the thing that disappointed me the most was Kane was the only one that come and clapped the fans. Was he? I mean, I, I Son, Son, did, it, Son did it from like halfway off the pitch. But Kane actually walked past the stewards, yeah. come and clapped us, and I was very disappointed. The thing I expect from a team when they've been off is appreciation from the fans and at yeah. least trying. And that really disappointed me in that game. But I'm, like I say, that was just my perspective from inside the stadium. Yeah, I'm that annoying prick who likes to play devil's advocate. And uh, maybe it was just dejection. You know what it's like? Uh, if you do a shit job in whatever you do, and you just want to fuck off home, didn't you? But Ashley, man, I mean, these people have <laughs> travelled up to bloody Sheffield oh, I agree, on, a, on a Wednesday night. You know, like the yes. least they can do is come over and, yeah. uh, you know, come over to the fans and wave them and thank you for thank thank them for being there. Because some of them probably didn't get home until the early hours in the morning or even have to stay over at night and go back the next day. So, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd turned it off with um, about two minutes left of uh, normal time because I'd seen, I'd seen enough. Uh, but We've seen that, that game a million times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm with uh, Christian. It's, it's the least that we can expect from, oh. from the players, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I do totally agree. I do. Um, we should probably start with the lineup. There was quite a few changes in there. Um, 
almost a, a new front well it was a new front three from the game that started a week before and we saw Sanchez come in at the back and Porro uh Glassy what was your thoughts when you saw the lineup come out yeah so what I was saying last night when it came out I was just sort of fanboying over seeing Porro's name because I'm just <laughs> desperate to see him settle in and play well I think he's perfect for the system that we play when the system's working so when I first initially saw it I thought okay it's you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Porro. I was worried about Sanchez um, uh, straight away. Uh, yeah, straight away. <laughs> and and I was looking forward to seeing Saar. I think he deserved he deserved to start a game. Um, I was hugely disappointed in the fact that Danjuma didn't get a start. I thought it was the perfect opportunity for to 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 bring him in. Although I do understand the propensity to try and get a Son to play into form. Uh, give him a bit of confidence, but Dan Juma really deserved to start. And you know, I, you know, I was really disappointed in that. But you know, it's easy to talk in. Um, it's easy to talk after the game. But I mean, if if you if you look down and look at that team, technically, although there wasn't eight players in from Chelsea game, there was actually technically eight changes with people swapping into different positions from the Chelsea game, which was a massive. A massive risk, considering it's the biggest game of us of the season so far. So, so Glassy, would you say you still expected a win with that team? Oh, absolutely, no doubt. So you know, there's this is a fifty-fifty. There's a fifty-fifty uh, on the coaches and and the players, right? I mean, you put those players out. There's there was there was a plenty more than enough. For them to go out there and um, and get a win, but the, the the biggest hole, biggest hole in that team was the lack of creativity. And the only two players in the team that are creative are really Kulusevski and Kane. Both of them were out, and uh, another big mistake was sticking Porro on the right hand side with Sanchez. You know he hasn't played with Romero yet, so if you're gonna if you're gonna bed him in, at least give him an opportunity to have someone like Romero behind him. So. I wasn't that disappointed at the time because I thought it'd be enough. Um, but yeah, how wrong was I? You know. Yeah, the the power decision, like you said, we often we're all excited, and that's a universal feeling that we really want to see him bed in and settle in. But his his strengths and his weaknesses aren't they're not not a secret. Like we we all know the kind of player Poro is. Um, and on the ball, we saw that he, he played. I can't remember who it was too, but it was a phenomenal cross ball pass. I think it was into Son. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't quite get it into his stride. Ended up his first touch took it behind him and there was also that run in the box where I think Kane played it to him um, and he couldn't quite get it out of his feet himself we we know his strengths going forward and to get the best out of him we need uh, a strong dependable defender behind him someone who's going to snap into tackles um, and can actually get the ball to him when he's making good runs and we don't have that in Sanchez I don't know about you guys watching it on TV but like I say watch I was on that side. So I was basically on the corner flag, right? And I saw a lot of Porro in, in that yeah. second half. And I thought he was one of our better players, honestly. Like, there was moments in the defence where our normal players would head it back into midfield mm. or they'd just boot it and he'd take it down. Yeah, no, he, he, he did. He did some really good things in defence. But... Ultimately, he takes his share of fault for the goal. 
Um, it was lazy defending. He got turned far too easily in the box. Now, I, I, I don't know how it, it looked in the staging, but you, when you see the replays... Well, it was I, a bit I don't hard know if you, I was on the opposite side of the stadium. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I'm going to ask if you... How, oh, how but it, but even, even then, like, even attack, like, he, he popped off some good shots. There was crosses into the box where if Harry Kane was there, he would have got on the end of some of them because they were in very good areas. Nice cutting inside, taking shots, like I say. The quality and the glimpses, you could see the talent of the boy. And I've got no doubt he'll come good very quickly. Um, I think yep. the goal, to, for me, the goal relies a lot on Hoiberg. I've put a majority of the blame on Hoiberg. I think he turned his back. He let it deflect off him. Um, then there's still, the op- even with that, there's still the opportunity, like you say, uh, he got turned a little bit easy, Poro, yes. But then Sanchez was there. He just stands there. Dyer comes across, and I don't know what Dyer's thinking. I, I don't play him on Dyer. There was just yeah. numerous issues for it was that fear, goal. wasn't it? It was pure yeah. fear from yeah. everybody in the box. They didn't want to be the one to give away a penalty. That's what it felt like. That's and do you think, do you like. think Lloris gets beaten at his front post that evening? <clears throat> Nah, I mean he's very good at getting down quick with his with his legs and but I thought some of and this is a little bit harsh going back a little bit I thought against Leicester um, I know a lot of them were quite far in the corner but I still think one or two of them Larice gets to but the thing is with Larice he is capable of a brain fart and causing other issues that that Forster hasn't been doing he's, he's you know, no, I think the main thing that, the main thing that we've got to say is that. <clears throat> There's no way we can blame Forster because of the amount of issues that come before it. But obviously, there is that little bit of criticism. But I do like Forster commanding his box. He's massive, by the way. He's huge. Six seven or something and ridiculous. The, the 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 way he can punch from it. He looks very good from corners and stuff. Obviously, his mobility may may slow us down. But ultimately, like I say, it's not his fault for the goal. I think Hoyerberg takes a lot of responsibility. I'd say Sanchez and Dyer then probably take the most. Um, but listen, again, again, we beat ourselves. Mm. We beat ourselves again. Like, I was watching the first half and, yeah, we didn't score. But you'd think, do you know what? We actually felt like it was coming. It felt mm. like it was coming. And I've had people give Lucas Moore a stick, but he was the best player on the pitch for me. He was, the, although he might have lost the ball a lot of times, he was the only one driving with the ball. Yeah, but, a few times he beat the last man. Yeah, like, but he did what he always does, which is run with his head down. And he, he does so good until the moment where he has to pass or shoot. And that's been the Chris. Yeah, I know, I know. Gone, but that's, that's, Richie offered absolutely nothing. But that's been that's been more his criticism since the day he walked in the door. He's gets lost down channels, money. doesn't he, Ashley? He gets lost yeah. down channels, and then he he gets into these good positions, and he it's like he it's like it's he, he gets lightheaded. He turns into Didier Zakora. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's bizarre, but I understand. Like he was positive, he was trying things, and I thought that I thought that about Porro. You know, he yeah. took he was proactive. He tried to get you know he tried to take people on. He lost the ball a couple of times, but you know he he did a couple of nice little one twos and things like that. But again, Porro comes in. You know, you give him a game when you've got Kulazeski in front of him and Romero behind him. Don't stick bloody Lucas Moura ahead of him and 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 Davidson Sanchez. I mean, what are you trying to do to the guy? I do think with to get the best out of Poro, we do need to make some tactical 
switch where this boy is so good. The quality on the ball, seriously, like even the one two crosses we saw, they were always in very good areas. And to capitalise on that, Kane needs to be like a more number nine. Son needs to get on the back post. Perisic needs to come in. Two midfielders need, or one of them needs to drop in. So there's a pullback. Like we need options that we can leave that boy with the ball and expect very good delivery. And again, the one or two times we did get. Oh, we lost him there. <laughs> in behind uh, the player. That, that literally, everyone, Perisic was poor. However, he was showing in the box. And even in the last few minutes, who had who got to the end of headers? And it was Perisic. Mm. And this is a 34-year-old man that everyone wants to get at. But ultimately, no one's in that box. No one's no one was there showing. No one was trying to play like a fox uh, a fox in the box. And I felt sorry for the boys out wide. I really did. Yeah. So obviously, we we know that the guys on the pitch didn't really do the job, and there was. Um, you, you can put it down to lack of talent, lack of effort, or whatever. But um, I just want to zero into the tactics a bit at the moment there, uh, for a moment, because Chris, you, you said it there that we need to change a few things to get the best out of Poro. The thing I was most disappointed at was um, against Chelsea, we used our press really effectively. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily obvious what the triggers were in the press, but there were moments where we would press higher as a team rather than just try and win the ball back in our own half. Uh, and try and move the ball forward that way. Whereas I didn't really see that often enough against a championship Sheffield United. I don't know if, uh, if, if there's anything else or, or, or any, anything different that you but saw glass it. I don't think that's a tactical thing from the coaching staff because Saar was pressing like a madman. And unfortunately, Hoiberg had another one of his games where he was shocking. Mm. Hoiberg was not helping Saar. Saar was getting making a tackle on the left, they were switching it out at right, and how did he get his yellow card? Because he had to come sprinting across and make a challenge. When that's Hoiberg's side, he did not help Saar one bit. It looked like we're playing a one-man midfield. And I think that's where I'm most disappointed that is, yes, Sanchez was playing. Uh, yes, we had Lucas Mora and a few subs playing, but ultimately the players that let us down are the ones that tell me, people tell me, are our leaders. Hoiberg's meant to be a leader. You're in our starting eleven. Dyer, yes, we know your weaknesses. However, you're you're in our starting eleven. Show your leadership as the captain. It was the son again. Richarlison, I never want to see him play centre forward again in my life. No, I'm not having that. No, the guy could not hold up the ball to save his absolute life. This guy wants to do these fancy little flicks. Sorry, mate, you haven't got Vinicius Jr. and getting behind you. You ain't got Paqueta and Neymar to play off when you're playing for Tottenham. Keep the ball, look after it, bring the players into play. This guy is not a centre-forward for Tottenham. I'm sorry he might do it for Brazil. Yes, he might work in that, but he has got no hold-up play and he didn't help Son in that situation because Son was trying to get in behind, but Richarlison already lost it. Then you get Sanchez, who people tell me he's quick. He's losing in a foot race to a 38-year-old Billy Sharp. He outpaced by Billy Sharp. So, to me, it comes down to the, the leaders on that pitch and it comes down to individual poor performances. And yes, I give the responsibility to the coaching staff for putting those players out there and in those positions. However, once again, they've put players in where us as fans have been calling. 
We've been saying Rich's perfect position is centre forward. We've been saying Hoiberg's a starter. We've been, we've, we've been saying all these things. Our son's better on the left, playing further further out wide. We've been calling it. And just again, like when we were crying for the 3 5 2, and we played it against United and we got battered, and we were crying for Basuma in the 3. Again, the coaching staff have given us what we wanted. We've been proven wrong. Richie yeah. cannot play centre forward for Tottenham Hotspur. I think, as much as I agree with you um, from from that showing, I think the problem is that we did make eight changes, and, and one of them was him in the middle. So I don't know what it would look like is if we played our strongest team, Bar Kane, and put him up front. I don't know if it would look any different. But the only thing that I noticed, and this is the this is why players like Kane are world class, and players like Son and Richardson aren't, and never will be, in my personal opinion, is that. When something when that game's going on, what Kane will do is he's got game IQ. You know, he's not stupid. So he'll notice where the gaps are, where the issues are, and he'll come deep to collect the ball to try and build up play. But neither Richarlison or Son could see what the issues were and are proactive enough or clever enough or good enough to notice what the problems are. Because your Charlison what he could have done is said, right, well, I'm not I'm not really having much luck here. I need to at least get involved in the game and come a little bit deeper and collect the ball and pass it off and try and hold it up a bit. But you're right, he just doesn't possess those that skill set. With uh with Richardson and Son there though, with I think Son, it's fair to say, has been a world class player. He's not shown it this year. Um but I, I don't think I don't think there's a strong argument to say that he hasn't been in the past, uh, at least certainly the last two or three seasons. Um but zeroing in on well, both on Rishi and Son actually. A lot, of, what a lot of what I see in their game at the moment is a lack of confidence. When you're not, when everything's not running for you the way it is, you're not going to come deep to collect the ball because you don't, you don't have the confidence in yourself to take a man on or to play a killer pass. When when you're when you're not getting the goals, um, you're des- you're desperate to. You're going to just try and be in and around the box, um, and it just wasn't falling for us because that doesn't work because we've only got a two-man midfield and all the the ball's only wide. Um, we need someone to come in and fill that hole in where a, a, a 10 would be, if you'd like. But, but and we don't might, have I'll that. I'll ask you a question, Ash. Mm. Is if, if you're an out-of-form striker with no confidence, are you more likely to take less shots? Well, it depends on the the, the, the situation because... Because Richie's see, just trying to hit him from... But that's what I was going to say. That's what happens as well, though. Low confidence affects people slightly differently. You see strikers just they just want to just hit it because they don't trust themselves to beat a man and get into a better position. They don't trust themselves to um, to play a good pass into someone else in another position, or they're too desperate to get their head up and have a proper look. So they'll just snap at a shot. We see it time and time again with players out of form, and sometimes they can play themselves back in, or sometimes you need something really different to uh, to get themselves in, or sometimes it just won't work. But that that can happen, and I think you mentioned with Richie not coming in and holding the ball and wanting to do flicks, but surely there has to be a conversation about when you don't have Harry Kane in the team, you need to adapt the team. You can't expect the team to work in the exact same way. What other striker in the world that we can really realistically have to come in and uh, and be Harry Kane's replacement when he needs but no, a rest? But no one's no one's asking any other player to be Tom Brady like Kane, right? No one's doing that. However. You look at strikers that have helped us, right? And yes, the player I'm about to mention, we got him too late. He probably weren't the best. Was Fernando Lorente. What did he actually do, though? 
He actually held up the ball and brought in players like Deli Ali, brought in players like Son. He kept mm. the fundamentals but the same. He was playing with... very simple. Richie, if it was a lack of confidence, mm. play simple. Like he's not playing simple. He was, he was doing all these fancy flicks. You're not going to do that when you're out of confidence. I don't think it helped him it's that he was playing. Simple. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, absolve him of any blame. Um, but I, I do think you have to take into consideration the fact that he's coming in a little bit out of form and he's playing with an out of form son and a Lucas Moura who's been out since God knows how long. I forgot he was even a part of the fucking team, to be honest. Um, I, I, I think you've got to give some context to the performance. Um, because you're right, though, it, it weren't great, and we, we do need something more. And Listen, I'm, whether I'm you're saying, out of form or low on confidence, you're playing Sheffield fucking I'm United. not saying Richie is a terrible player. Just for me, him as a centre forward for the club will never work. I don't think he will. I don't think he'll be long term. He, he, he needs to play off the left. He needs oh. to. For me, that's his best position. He's mm. never been an out and out goal scorer. He, he's someone that in certain games can be extremely dangerous. I know Chelsea hate playing against him. I think he's got good running in him. Mm. He, he he helps defensively like we saw against Chelsea again. I just think when you're playing as a lone centre forward, you need to be able to hold up the ball, bring players into play. And when you're playing with a two-man midfield where you haven't got number 10 very close to you, you definitely need to be able to do that. Give the team time to push forward. Let Poro get up, exploit the wing, just hold up that boy ball. Let Son get in behind so you can play a quick little ball into Saar or Hoiberg and they can put it through and then you can spin out. He Just for me, he's just not that kind of striker that we need at all. And we're never going to play a Brazilian style of football. We never have, even under Poch. We never did it. We always had Kane holding up the ball. We always had Fernando Lorente. We always had Vinicius. Very good players that hold up play and link up play. And Richie doesn't possess those abilities. But like you said, I'm not going to sit here and just slag off Richie. Just for me, he's got to be a left forward. Um, like like Glassy said, disappointed Dan Juma didn't come on earlier. Um, yeah. But I heard that he's got a little niggle. I don't know how true it is. Um Again, he looked he looked good when he came on, didn't he, Glassy then Juma? For me anyway, uh, I don't know if you agree. Oh mate, like every time I've seen that guy, um, you know, he's exactly the sort of player that we need because that's what I like about Poro. When when Poro's firing and confident his teams uh uh work it, working like it should, or like we or a bit like we want it to, to work, <laughs> <clears throat> he's the sort of player that will take players on. He's got pace, he's got skill. You know, he goes for the throat and uh, that's what Dan Juma does. It's what we need. You know, that's the problem with Sun at the moment. Sun is <clears throat> he's not occupying the spaces where he's had the most success. Um, he, he's I don't know if he has forgotten what he's good at or he's been instructed to do something that he's not comfortable doing or what. But he can't beat a man at the moment. You know, mm. like he's and, and Dan Juma will go for the throat. He'll beat a man. And that. And the thing is, it's not just this individual player that affects the team uh, hit that position positively. When you've got players that take team take players on, it brings up the defensive line and the midfield line. So you you know you're not sitting back so deep. It's just these little technical uh, tactical tweaks, um, and that's one of the things that I noticed with Emerson. We we tend to sit back a little bit, the defensive line drops a little bit, and it puts us on the back foot. We get less possession, but Dan Juma is just one of those players that I, we need 
we need someone like that. We need that pace. We need that directness and that aggressiveness. And he's good on his left foot. He's good on his right foot. He's not afraid to take a shot. He's a good player. And um, that sort of positive impact, uh, uh, you have that, that happens to the rest of the players. It impacts the rest of the players. You know, it livens them up, livens the crowd up when someone gets the ball and goes straight at defenders. And, you know, that's, that's what we need at the moment. And I just find that, I find it a little bit strange that he's not, I mean, if he had a knock, then that's fair enough. But I just find it strange that we didn't bring him on until we went and go down and he came on in the 81st the first minute. I was like, this is just, I mean, what are we doing? I think the other thing, Glassy, is that Dan Juma's not had to go through the season that these other players have been. Mm. He's not had to deal with Tottenham Hotspur having injuries all the time, going through Just being Tottenham Hotspurs. <laughs> like, yeah. this guy's coming in to do a job and you can see, I know Preston's not a great team, but the areas that he was picking up and and he was so confident on the ball, he was spinning on it, good finish for the goal. And you could tell that he's more adapted to being able to play on the left or more centrally, like he played at Villarreal at times when the Moreno... He's drag, dragging defenders all over yeah. the place as well, Christian. Like That's all the defen- defenders were getting... They were, their positioning was all over the place when he come on because because a player that goes at you like that that's got pace that's direct and aggressive they're scared of him so they lose their composure and their positioning goes out and that opens up space for other players but I just and it's the same with Poro Poro will do the same thing that's what we've been screaming out for but he's not started a game and what what's he played maybe half an hour half an hour's worth since since he joined. Do you know? Do you know what I would honestly do after the last, after that Sheffield United game? Sack them uh, up. <laughs> no, I would honestly try Kulu on the left, right? Ask him not to cut in, just the whipping corners. Play Emerson at right wing back, and play Poro as as a as a right winger. Started his career as a right winger, didn't because, he? Yeah. yeah, it's not just that. It's just you got Kulu on one side, but he doesn't always have to cut in. Players won't be able to read him. He can. He's still got a right but foot on him. And doesn't matter. About, the at that plays, point, you've got the you've got the quality on both sides. Because at the moment when Kulu plays, he's the only one that can put very good crosses in. The other yeah, side, but I, I I get that. And um, it, I mean, firstly, it doesn't matter if players can read him. He's so fucking good. He'll make half a yard, and we can unreal cross from the right anyway. Uh, he he's that that good on the ball. Um, secondly, his most dangerous crosses are when he cuts in and swings in at that back post where um, the ones where if a player touches it, then it wrong foots the keeper. If a player doesn't touch it, it might nestle in the bottom of the corner. Um, that is, those are his dangerous crosses. So I don't know if I get what you're saying. But you can and do it right. Well, well I, I don't know. We haven't I haven't really seen that. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying from personally, I haven't really seen that. So I'm not saying it wouldn't work, but it would be a bit, a bit of a big risk. I, I just I think at the moment... You've got to try something when you've got Son and Richarlison both out of form. Mm. It's not fair on the boys to keep trying to force them back into it. So maybe give Poro a bit of a chance of being more attackive. I don't mm. know. I could be totally wrong. Um, but speaking speaking of that right flank, um, a question that came to my mind when I when I saw the starting lineup is. Uh, we, we've brought Dan Juma in. I know it's an initial loan, but there's there's, there's talks of it being a uh, with a view to a permanent or an option to a permanent. Why do we have 
I, again, you've mentioned the the possible niggle, but I, 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 haven't, I haven't read that anywhere, so I don't know. I, I don't know how true that is either. Um, but we've got Dan Dreamer, who might be quote unquote the future of the club. I'm not saying the Harry Kane. I mean a part of the squad going forwards. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Lucas Mora, who is 100% leaving at the end of the season. Why are we bothering giving Lucas Mora the minutes? instead of bedding in Danjuma, especially in that if we're gonna make those changes in that game, why are more over Danjuma from the start? It doesn't that doesn't make sense to me at all. Because again, they brought Danjuma in to be a left or centre forward. They're not gonna play him that's where he plays. But we already had two of those. Why is they why is he the player they brought in if we've got Sonny and Richarlison? Because because they 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 needed a cover for Son because Again, like everyone else, they thought Richie could 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 sub in for Kane. So even without even with Richie, we were still one. Would well, you start Dan Juma centre forward in, in I'd Kane? I'd start Dan Juma. Yeah, yeah. He's, I more mean, natural, it, he's more natural on both feet. I think the other thing is, chaps, on the Dan Juma thing, right? We've got an option to buy him for what twenty five million euros or whatever it is. Yeah. How how are we going to know if we want to buy him? if we don't give him game time and, and see if he's actually capable um, of playing in this system or for Conta or, or, or if he's good enough full stop, how are we going to know if we don't play him? Because every now and then when you bring in a player, you might put him in the team and you go, bloody hell, this is a game player. He might, yeah, he I, might look, I, he might look right in training, but you put yeah. him into a game situation. You're like, bloody hell, this guy's had a really, really positive impact. How are we going to know? Mm. Yeah. Without playing him, it's there's crazy. only so much you get from training. You don't, you yeah. can't, you can't yeah. see how they handle the pressure or, or the big moments in, in training. Everyone looks half decent in training, don't they? They're professional footballers at the end of the day. It's all about how you manage the uh, the match days. But um, yeah, so another year, uh, another chance at a trophy or the FA Cup. It definitely has gone. Um, but it wasn't all disappointment last week. We had a fantastic performance against uh, a certain club from uh, a different part of London in Chelsea. Uh, Glassy, how um, how did you see that game pan out? Yeah, I mean, what... Obviously, the first half was a, like a chess match, right? So it was a bit um, a bit slow. We were sort of trying to work each other out. We were seeing if they were going to come at us. They wanted to see how we were playing. First half wasn't, wasn't amazing, but it was solid. Um but second half, I think we must have just gone in and said, look, these 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 guys are just not they're not gonna do anything. You know, they're, they're, they're not, yeah, they're they're not they're they we've got nothing to worry about here. And uh, we it looked like we made a couple of little tweaks the second half and it was just easy. And that is unbelievable when you really think about it. It was I because when we played West Ham, I thought they're the worst team that we played this season. <laughs> Honestly, I did. I thought West Ham were the worst Shocking team we team. played this season. Shocking. And then we played Chelsea and I thought, these guys are worse. <laughs> Honestly, I did. I genuinely felt like that. I am really... two clubs who see us as their cup final. Well, certainly West Ham and Chelsea always turn up against us as well and spoil our day. That was the first goal. Was that our first goals that we scored against them at our new stadium as well? Like yeah. It... yeah, yeah. So we, we played them five times, hadn't we? And we'd lost all of them and we hadn't scored against them or something we hadn't, like yeah, that. Yeah, we didn't just lose. We got we got humiliated every single time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was really I was really happy. But, you know, and this is sort of, I was really happy with Chelsea. I thought we played really well. But this is the more frustrating thing, coming out of, of a big game, being confident. Everyone 
the the, the morale being raised, mm. there was an opportunity to make a few changes and just blow Sheffield United away, um, and then do a little tweak, a few tweaks on. Uh, Larky, do you know what stood out for me? What stood out for me is the real leader in our team is that beast called Christian Christian Romero. He's back, isn't he? The difference, like before Chelsea, we was getting battered. He comes in against Chelsea and he just seems to solidify everything. Everyone feels more confident. Hoiberg knows if a player gets past me, this guy's just going to break their legs. (laughs) The the guys, he's just got an aura about him that just screams out best defender in the world. And for People me, are scared of him as well. Oh, it's brilliant. Man. But he's got he's got this weird um, combination of being as aggressive as you're going to get, but also appears to be the calmest man on the pitch at all times. Like nothing phases him. He's going to come in and break your legs whether you like it or not. And he just doesn't. He just shrugs it off like it's nothing every time he goes into a tackle. That, that little nutmeg was beautiful. <laughs> he's got oh, a thing with oh, as well, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's a, he's he's yeah he's the game changer. Ultimately, um, when, when when you're playing with a two-man midfield and, and wide centre backs, you need those wide centre backs to be decent on the ball and to join the midfield. Um, and obviously, we don't have another centre back to do that. So he's absolutely a game changer. Um, but Skip what else? was brilliant. Skip was yeah. brilliant. Skip was brilliant. Yeah, Skip I mean, was very what? good. He's just come out of nowhere. Um, he was great in great against Milan. And he really he, he he sort of gave that confidence and freedom for Saar to to show what he can do, and and Saar obviously took that mantle on and performed really well. But against Chelsea, against West, yeah. West oh, he bloody what a little but, what a cracking little player, little 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 things that you wouldn't always notice. The way that he he gets the ball, he gets he gets the ball and then completely changes direction. And, that, and it's just these little things like, that he does, that, you know. There's that clip from the under-21 games against the Netherlands where Frankie de Jong was playing in, and uh, there was a translation underneath where they're saying, oh my God, he's, he can't get near him. He's like Frankie. It's like de Jong. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Real but I think the, the thing is with uh, Skip, like he's always... He's always been really highly appreciated at the club. Like um, Pochettino had him in his squad at 19 years old. Um, Jose said he's going to be a future Tottenham captain. He played almost every minute under Nuno. But as fans, we were so quick to write him off after his first game back from the weirdest injury um, that ever anyone's ever seen to have where yeah. he just couldn't recover from it. But for, for me, I wrote him off though, Ash, and he's going to be, for me, a tactical player. I think he does exactly what the manager asks for him in games where we might be chasing the ball. Yeah. So games Which against is... Chelsea, games yeah. against United, PSG in the Champions League or whatever, whoever we might play teams like that who are going to have possession. This guy can run for days. He's probably our, our most more defensive midfielder we have. He, he's, 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 his IQ is very good. My concern is going to be in a game against Wolves or a game against Brighton where we need to dominate the game. Mm. Is he going to be able to offer enough? And that's I don't my, think. Yeah, yeah. That's and my that, question. And I think he's going to become more of that tactical player that managers yeah. can use in the right times. Yeah. Will he always solidify him as 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 a starting eleven? I'm not too sure. That's that's fair to say, um, and I, I don't think it's his fault that that's the that that's the situation we're in. The the problem is that we have four centre mids that are 
similar in their skill set not at the same rate like as in terms of the, the jobs they do so skip is the best at doing the defensive job by getting the foot in but ultimately he's he's a tackler and a recycler um Saar, very similar, just slightly slightly different attributes are, are better here or there. Hoybjerg, that's kind of what he was sold to us as. I'm not sure what he really is. Um, a bit of a headless chicken at times. And then Bentacor, who is, he is that, but he's also class at dribbling as well. What we really lack is um, is a ball player in, in the midfield. Like you said, that we, we our, our creative players are only Kane and Kulisevsky. Um, and one way to supplement that would be have an option in the centre of a midfield, who is who is a ball player. Um, a, a skip, I, I think Skip's Skip's ability to pass and, and spot a run um, is a bit underappreciated, or at least has been underappreciated. But I, I get what you're saying. He is that that's his skill set, um, and I think it's on the club to build a, mid, a midfield that complements each other. I think I think the thing is the skip as well. Like he'll pick up the ball and he'll drive forward with it, and he'll mm. and, and what what I did like little things that I spot when he picks up the ball and drives, everybody else starts moving with him. You know that's like a huge compliment when a young player picks up the ball and starts driving that everybody else is running because they're confident. So that shows a that shows an inherent confidence in his ability. So he must impress in training uh, because he picks up the ball, he drives. The, the, the defending team or the opposition seem to panic a little bit and all trying to run into position. Our players are starting running, running and making. So there's there's little nuances that are spot in his game. And one of the other things that I've noticed when he's played, every time he's played, uh, other than with Saar, every time he's played, he's looked like the best midfielder. And and that mm-hmm. and he's played with Hoybeer a number of times, and he's out he's out he's outshone him each yeah. time. Um, so I'm not going to get overexcited and say that he's going to be the next best thing, but there's there's pleasing signs. He's going to offer a lot, isn't it? What was yeah, what was really fun. satisfying was uh, we were playing against a uh, 600 million pound Chelsea team, <laughs> and it was two local boys that got us the win. I didn't even know Fernandez <laughs> was playing. <laughs> I genuinely was watching that game. I going, oh, I looked at it at half time thinking, right, who have we got on the bench? And this is not a joke. Who have we got on the bench? Like, what options have we got? Because it was obviously nil nil. And I looked at their bench and I was like, where's Fernando? <laughs> oh, oh shit, he's been playing. Where's that classic and I'm not name even when Skip? Well, what I just want to add one extra home. thing about Skip, right, yeah. is that out of all the bunch of midfielders that we've had come through, he's by the best, he's the best one. So, yeah. Every single year, we seem to get a better midfielder. So <laughs> the next one, like, we start. The next one's going to be class. Like we had fucking Tom Carroll, we had Nabil Bentaleb, we had Jamie fucking O'Hara that mug come play football <laughs> to save his life. Right? Then we had fucking Ryan Mason who offered Carroll. us a bit more. Oh, Tom Carroll. Okay. They, they slowly got a bit. Of, then we got Winksy. Everyone thought, yeah, he's getting better. Obviously, I didn't rate him massively. Um, never have, but. Skip's definitely the best out of that bunch, and he's actually one that I can see that will offer something to Tottenham going forward. Yeah. And hopefully that means the wine's going to be fucking out of this world because if we carry on that trajectory, one of them is going to be fucking good because they just <laughs> they just keep getting better. I think yeah. that's the positive we can look at. I know we've been through absolute shit to get to it, but yeah. what I will say about Winksy is you can see when he plays, Skip. it's a hundred and ten percent. And he plays for the shirt, and it is it is refreshing to see when things are going badly. And I will never 
slander the boy to the point where I don't, where, I, where with Winksy, I was saying he can't even play Prem football. I would never do that with Skip because you can see his qualities, you can see what he's offer. I just, I just can't see him improve yeah. a hell of a lot more. I think he's more or less a few tweaks here and there. I think he's at his level, which is a very good level. Um, but like, like you said, Ash, we need to build the right midfield. Um, he needs to be our tactical changes that we make against certain teams. I think he has. He's probably the first midfielder on the team sheet against Milan. Honestly, I'd drop Hoiberg. I'd go with Skip and Sar again. I really would. I just yeah. don't think Hoiberg yeah. offers us enough at this moment in time. Um, but yeah, listen, that Chelsea game, I think the whole team worked as a unit. I was really proud of the boys. Um, as much as I slaughtered Richie for the Sheffield game, he helped defensively massive, a lot, lot of running. Um, Emerson, Sublime again, Harry we Kane. Haven't a, we haven't had a chance to be uh, Emerson Cafu's uh, appreciation society. No. We haven't recorded in a while, have we? So, it's, but it's, uh... like, I think, I think again, like I know I said about Christian Romero, but it comes down to we didn't do any sloppy mistakes. No individual errors. Individual errors have killed us game in, game out. I wouldn't even against Leicester. I wouldn't say a game where we've been totally outclassed. We just fuck ourselves in the ass every <laughs> single game. Yeah. Always one player slips. Like going back to Sheffield, I don't know how one of the coaching staff hasn't told Sarah and Sanchez to swap their boots. They were on their ass constantly, yeah. falling yeah. over and slipping. And that Chelsea game, listen, it all just came together. And it shows that it gives me that bit of confidence that actually there's something in this team that they can still push for that top four. They can yeah. still do it because if they if they can do it, it means that they've got it within their attributes. They've got it within in their mental state. Unfortunately, what the what the managers manager and the coaching staff have got to find is how do we get it out there more regularly? Well, that's it. And that's been the hardest problem, point. Our biggest problem is that we're consistently inconsistent, and <laughs> it's it's absolutely infuriating. But um, let's move on to that Milan game. Galassi, what what squad? I'm asking you to play to, to name the whole eleven. But what sort of squad do you want to see uh, in that return leg? So for me, easy uh, four star. Uh, Longley, Dyer, Romero, uh, Davies out on the on the left, Emerson, Royal back in, Skip. I, I would go with, and it's not. I agree with you, Christian. I would like to see Skip and Star, but let's be perfectly honest. It's going to be Skip and Hoivia. We just know it is. Yeah. And then I'd play. I'd play Richarlison on the left, Kane uh, and Kulu. That's that's what I would do. I'd just go out there. You know, that's pretty much the team. Or uh, or or it is pretty much the team that that's got us the two two nil wins against West Ham and Chelsea. We know we're, what we're getting with them. Let's get back on track against Wolves. Get a bit of confidence. Uh, oh shit! I forgot uh, about yeah. Wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's so how uninterested I am. It's not going to be. Not, not gonna be an easy game. It's not going to be an easy game. Unfortunately, though, like they. I'm the leopard, leopard, I'm a, uh, completely, let's just call him Leppy because I'm going to murder his bloody name. <laughs> Lepetugi, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> um, so I think um, it's not going to be an easy game, but I still think we, if we if we play, if we play a strong side, we, we've got more than, we've got plenty in the bank to, to get a win. And 
I think Milan will just play the strongest team, the team that we trust. And um, I think we've got enough to beat Milan. We have, you know. Totally. Um, we should do it. I think we should. And I can't disagree with that team. Um, as much as I'd like to see Porro come into games where, we're expect, where we, we need to win and we need to score, um, Liao would fucking seven ways sideways. So um, I don't want I don't want to see that. Um, it's I want, not just I want, that. It's just uh, even with Emerson's limitations, can you take him out of the squad at this moment in time? The thing, the, the, the thing they've done with him is really clever, though. They've realised, right, you're not a wing-back. We know you're not a wing-back, even though we've tried and tried and tried our hardest for you to be a wing-back. You're not a wing-back. So what can we do with you? Like, what what, what can we look at your skill set, your your abilities, and, and try and get the best out of you? And it, and it happened at Fulham. There was this real, real cute little change they've done with him where instead of going out wide and, and sort of supporting Kulazeski all the time, he's coming mm. inside and playing almost like a third midfielder. You know, like it's... Uh, and like a third defensive midfielder, and it, and it's and it worked against Fulham. It was it was a big part to a big part in why we beat them, in my opinion. Yeah. And they've sit and they've they've done that. And I don't know. And I love that. Like I love those little tweaks where you think, bloody hell, okay, all right. <laughs> so you you you're you're giving him the best chances possible for him to succeed by stopping him from doing what he's not good at and what he's getting criticised for, and looking at what he can do, and then building that into the team. And not only does it help him, but it helps the team. And everybody seems to love him, which has another positive impact. So it's those little tweaks, tactical, and he's become important because our defence is shocking. So <laughs> it needs more protection. So he's a yeah. good defender. He helps with the midfield. So he helps, uh, uh, and he's good at he's good at he's good at winning the ball back and and doing the sort of easy pass other than the bloody no look pass. So. That little change, I, we need him. We need him in, and Poro isn't going to work until we've got a better defence and we're more Absolutely. confident at defence. So, yeah. you know, that I, I, I'm, I'm really chuffed for him because I've completely written him off. I didn't. I actually wanted to stop watching games because of him. <laughs> and that sounds childish, but it was killing me every time I saw his name on the sheet. I'm oh, like, it was. Uh, yeah, no one but, blame you. but he's, oh, you know, they, they've, they've adapted his game. And it's helping him, it's helping the team, and he's he's an important part of the team at the moment until he's we can sort the, the defence up. Yeah. Back in the Brazil squad that came out today as well. So yeah. fair play yeah. to the lad. There was all that stuff, all those reports about him spending a million quid of his own money on training to get better. And it is nice to see um a player at Tottenham come good. I think we get too drawn in at the moment to um either loving or hating a player, but it's nice to see someone come good. Um we should but probably you know chat. What? Even if he didn't even if he didn't come good. Mm. This guy has had to listen to the terraces destroy him, even his song. Like, yeah, he's gonna hear it, right? And this young boy has put in the work. He's younger than Porro, and that's what I'm saying. He's put in the work, and he has carried on, even if he carried on not being the player. Ultimate respect to the guy for absolutely trying his heart off. Look at the and contrast, he, Christian. He never, he never wanted to quit Tottenham. At any point, did he throw his book, his param out and say, all right, I'm leaving when he was benched? Do you know what I mean? This guy kept trying. So for me, all my respect. But look at the contrast in Emerson Royale and Ndombele. Ndombele, when he got yeah. booed as he was coming off, completely throws his toys out of the plan and, and, and really 
he just gives up and you know what we know what, what happened there Emerson Rao gets booed off by by the fans and you know you think to yourself jeez yeah. there's no real coming back from that but nah he pulled his socks up he went nah, no, I'll show you I'll show you not worry about me what happens from now on Te Amo my uh, my Brazilian king if you're listening out there mate um, but we um, should probably wrap this up quick with a few quick roundups and squad predictions uh, or uh, match result predictions so Glassy Wolves starting out first what sort of game do you expect to see and do you want to hazard a guess at a scoreline yeah, so I think it's going to be uh, another tricky first half. We seem to be do it. We seem to do this thing where we play very, very slowly and safely and try and work the team out, and then hopefully we'll get one on the break, and then we work it out, and then we make the tactical changes at half time. That seems to be what we're doing because there's a lack of confidence in the team to go out and do what they can and take the proactiveness and just go out there confidently do it from minute one. We don't seem to have that ability. So I think it will either be like 1-0 to us at half-time or 0-0. And then my prediction's 2-1, 2-1 win uh, for, for me. That's what I think. Nice one, Chris. I think it's just going to be a 1-0 victory. I think Harry Kane's going to score. Um, as good as Wolves are, as solid they are, um, they don't score goals. Um, the one player when we played against them who I thought was tricky to mark in Gonzalo Guedes, he's no longer there. Um, and Matunas Nunes, um, Ruben Neves and Jao Moutinho, whoever plays, are just solid midfielders. Very, very good on the ball, but they don't offer goal threats. Neves will score a banger every now and then. Um Sod's law will be against us, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it could be, but they don't score goals. Like, Huang hasn't been scoring. Adama doesn't score anyway. Uh, Jimenez doesn't look the same. Uh, Cunha, a very good player, but just doesn't seem to have fitted in. Um, my issue is they've got two centre-backs who I wanted at Tottenham in Kilman and Nathan Collins, who, for me... Uh, so Collins some... being benched by Craig Dawson at the moment, isn't he? Well, I'm not too sure. I've not looked at their... But maybe. Yeah, the last few games he has, and Dawson always loves a header from a corner. But yeah, but never for me, Kane Kane's enough. He'll he'll get one. I think it'll be a hard one nil victory. Yeah. Um yeah, we we've we've seen how Tottenham play this year. Um our first half, like you said, to try and work out your position. I think a part of it is try and wear them down as well. Um, because we've worked so hard on our fitness over pre-season and, and over the season. Um, in the second half, you'll see a more energised Tottenham. So I don't think um, at half-time, if it's nil-nil, I don't think we should be too despondent as we uh, as we seem to get on Twitter anyway. Uh, just let the game pan out. Hopefully, we've got enough to um, to put them to the sword. I just want to see a, um, a bit of effort and some fight and a performance that shows that um, they they give a fuck about the loss in midweek, like you said. Some fans travelled all the way up to Sheffield, and nobody wants to be in Sheffield any for any reason, let alone to to see us lose. So um, <laughs> I just want to I just want to see a bit of effort. But it's got one nil written all over it. They can't score, but they're not half bad defensively. We aren't amazing going forward. So yeah, one nil. I don't really know who the score is, but there we are. Excuse me. Um, AC Milan, Glassy. We we've touched on them a little bit. Same questions. I'm going to be honest with you. I think we're, I think we're going to steamroll them. Honestly, I do. Like I, I don't know where. I just think we're going to thump them. Honestly, 
I do. I just think uh, if if we if the only reason why I don't think we will uh, get a really strong result against them is if if something dodgy happens against Wolves and there's a little bit you know the mood goes down. But if we get a win against Wolves, I think we'll thump them. Honestly, I think it will be a really big result and it's going to lead. It's going to take us into the rest of the season positively. You know, I really I'm desperate to. I'm desperate for there to be a, like a real turn of events uh, in favour of this team and Conte and to build in that sort of, um, uh, you know, that, that momentum that we had last season. I think if we can get a result against Wolves, I think we'll, I think we'll blame Milan away, honestly, I do. Chris, uh, Glassy thinks we're winning the Champions League, mate. Listen, mate, if anyone's going to fucking do a Spurs, he'll be fucking Tottenham. We will fucking finish 10th and fucking win Champions League. Yeah. But, no, I, I, I agree with Glassy. I think we're going to win. If it's anything, is Milan are starting to be better, but Tottenham play better against better teams. So maybe that's why we lost the first leg, because they were playing shit. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, I think we've got the legs on them. I think we've got the power against them. I think Liao against Romero, not going to happen. Um, Honestly, I think it's going to be a 2 0 victory. Um, Conte's first game back, he's going to lose his shit. Um, <laughs> he just ain't going to accept losing to that team again. First time he ever loses to that team, and it's freaking Tottenham that does it to him. Um, but I just think in that f- first game, we showed more than enough. We should have won that game. Apart from the couple times where they caught us on the break, we did everything but score. Um, and being at home, being the Champions League night, I think Harry Kane's going to be in a beast of a mood. Um, Richie, probably in a in a mood. Um, even Son, I think their defence in 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 Torre and KR, yes, in a one-off game, they could hold Kane and Son, but can they do it over two legs? I don't think so. So for me, 2-0 victory. Yeah, it's um, it's got that feeling to it. If you Looking at the first game, it really feels like we're going to put, we're going to absolutely spank them. Um, for me, it's all about the first 30 minutes. If we can go the first 25, 30 minutes without um, howling errors and we can build up confidence just by being solid for a bit uh, and, and create the odd chances here, whether we score or not, that first 30 minutes can really set the tone for the game. If we can keep them quiet and really get them, then um, I think we can really turn the screw, especially in that, in that second half. So, I'm, I'm praying that it'll be a 2-0. I'm not a religious man, but I'm praying it'll be a 2-0 because we need we need some more cheer, don't we? So um so yeah. Uh any any closing remarks, Chris, before we uh we move on? Anything I've missed? Like like I did Wolves. Not just about Chelsea get battered everywhere they got. <laughs> fuck them. Um, fuck them little fuckers. <laughs> um listen, I'm so fucking happy about that lot. I told all the fans on on Twitter, you don't want this Potter guy. You don't want him. <laughs> and I've been fucking proven right. Um, listen, they need to pick themselves up quick. I want to see a bit of balls to, uh, tomorrow. Um, and then Milan, I really want to see him go at it for, on the fr- on the front foot. Yeah. Um, but like I say, listen, anything can happen with Tottenham. Um, they play better against the better team, so it could work in our favour. But yeah, enough for me. Listen, we've got to keep our heads up. Got to keep the heads up for the boys. Yeah, my other prediction, I think Kulezewski is going to explode in the next uh, 
four or five games. You well, know, Lakers. Hopefully, is that enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, I just, I don't know. I'm just seeing little, you know, little tiny improvements of confidence and match fitness. I just think that I just think Kulazewski is gonna. Uh, in the next four or five games, we're going to see the Kulazewski from from last season, and that's going to have a hugely positive impact on on the team. That's my. But I think uh, Milan three nil four one. I think it's going to be a really good result. Looking forward to it. Thanks very much for joining us today, Glassy. It's been a pleasure having you on. Um, do you want to tell the boys and girls how we get how they can reach you on Twitter? Yeah, so I uh, on on Twitter as Glassinho, which is G L A S S I N H O. Uh, yes, I'm I'm on Twitter. I'm on the Spaces pretty much most nights with my mate Christian here and uh, <laughs> yeah we have a we have a good laugh on there we have a sing song Christian I've, I've got Christian to sing once actually believe it or not that lovely <laughs> yeah, deep voice of his so yeah uh, yeah it'd be it'd be it's been a pleasure coming on here I'm looking forward to more of these and uh, yeah it catch me on the spaces thanks very much mate yeah give him a follow and uh, give us a follow as well we're at 1882 pod that's at 1882 pod uh chris you can find him everywhere he's always tweeting and talking and chatting nonsense <laughs> listen i've proved you wrong on a lot of things so I'm uh, yeah, yeah 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 at, at, at chris <laughs> underscore underscore c91 one. <laughs> Um, so yeah thanks very much for tuning in hopefully we can be a bit more consistent moving forward but as ever come on you Spurs come on you Spurs